True Chaos Cast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health. On the panel today are Don Foster. Hi, I'm Don Foster. I am Director of Data Science for the Chaos Project. I'm also involved in a few other things. I'm Board Director at OpenUK. I am Co-Chair of CNCF Contributor Strategy Technical Advisory Group. I've been doing this open source thing for a very, very long time and have a healthy passion for metrics. Thank you, Don. And Sean Goggins. Hi, I'm Sean Goggins. I am one of the co-founders of Chaos, a professor of computer science at the University of Missouri and one of the maintainers for Augur. Glad to be here, Georg. Thank you, Sean. And Matt Germanprey. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Germanprey. I'm also one of the co-founders of the Chaos Project. Uh, I'm also a professor in the College of Information Science and Technology at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. Like Don, I've been involved in open source for what seems like a very, very long time now, if I actually put the years together. <laughs> don't, don't do that. So <laughs> it's just great to be here. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Matt. And Elizabeth Barron. Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth. I'm the Chaos Community Manager. I've been at Chaos for about three years, so I'm super happy to be here and participating in the podcast. I also have been in open source <laughs> a really long time, so... Yeah, following the trend, I guess. And I'm also a nature photographer on the side, which has nothing to do with tech, but it is what it is. Thanks, Elizabeth. And myself, Georg Link. I'm one. Welcome back to another episode of Chaos Cast. I'm one of the co-founders of the Chaos Project as well. I work at Peturgia as the director of sales. And in the Chaos Project, I really enjoy working on the podcast. As you may have heard me here many times, and I'm the maintainer for the app ecosystem working group, and then floating in and out of different parts of the project. Today's episode is relaunching the podcast because we took a break and now we are back. And so this episode today is about current updates and What's going on in the project? What has been going on? Where is chaos today? And so, yeah, I'm going to open up the conversation and ask who would like to get started on sharing where chaos is today. I'll go ahead and, and get started. Thanks, Georg. You know, chaos has been going on for six, seven years now, for quite a while. And over a lot of that time, We've been developing metrics and metric models, which are collections of metrics, software, and different initiatives. And I think these are the things that we're going to talk about a little today. So as an open source community grows, it can take on many different forms. And I think we're in a, a stage now where we're thinking about how the things that we've developed in the Chaos Project can really help people think about the, the health of the communities that they care about. So one of the things that we've done recently in the Chaos Project is develop what we call context groups. And these are groups of individuals, say, at corporate OSPOs or at university open source program offices or as related to scientific software. These are people who are interested in, in the health of projects that they are interested in or they're interested in the health of projects that they're participating in. 
but they may not have the time or the energy to necessarily participate in the chaos project to develop those metrics or those metrics models or develop the tools that are specific to the questions that they have. So these context groups are meant to bring people together in these similar contexts, allow them to talk freely, you know, encourage them to talk freely and openly about the health-related concerns that they have. And then in the chaos project, we'll support the needs that they have with respect to open source community health. So this has been, I think, a nice new development in the chaos project to start kind of looking at what we have available from a metrics, metrics models and software perspective and how those can be meaningful in various contexts and help people put those into practice. I just want to add one of the things I really like about these context working groups is that we tend to have really interesting discussions about how people use the metrics and how they use the data and how they use our software, which I think has been really interesting for me just sitting in on those meetings. And now we're in the process of figuring out better ways to cross-pollinate some of that. So making sure that the metrics that we talk about actually get developed if they're not already there and that we provide feedback to the software teams and that it just helps the people that are developing metrics develop things that are going to be useful for people. And that's what I found really valuable about them. Oh, plus one to that, you know, I think it's important in the chaos project, we are really focused on listening to what people need in whatever context they might be. And so to, to that point, Don, uh, these context groups allow us to really listen and hear what people need in their particular contexts. So that's a really important thing for the Chaos Project is trying to document and listen and give people the things that they need to better understand open source community health. And I believe as we are building out these new ways of listening, as you put it, Matt, and hearing these stories, Don, that you like so much, We've also changed the process around defining metrics and releasing metrics. In the past, we had different working groups focusing on different kinds of metrics. And I believe now we are moving to where we have the common working group taking that on. Is that correct that we are consolidating that? Not 100%. I mean, the DEI working group still also develops metrics, I think. And, and some of the metrics get talked about in the metrics models working group. But we have spun down, to your point, a lot of the existing working groups and consolidate a lot of that activity in, in the common working group. I think part of that spin down is we have, Elizabeth, I'll, I don't know if you know the exact number, but nearly 100 metrics at this point that we've developed from these different working groups over time. And our goal wasn't just to continue to create metrics into perpetuity until we hit 200 or 300. We're at that point where we need to take a look at what those metrics are and how we can consolidate them and help people in these contexts. So our metrics count is not a score. We don't get more points for having more metrics. What? It's not a metric that we care about? We are chaos. We should care about metrics. I was just going to add, um, Georg, to your point earlier about the way we've kind of reorganized our groups. We've also reorganized the way we display our metrics on the website. So we used to have them listed by working group, but that kind of required someone looking for a metric to know in which group <laughs> that metric was developed. And it wasn't super intuitive for those who are new to chaos. So we've reorganized them into more of a, a context or a topic category way and made everything searchable so that Hopefully it's a little easier for folks to find what they need. So we have the categories and then we also have each metric tagged as well with, you know, subtopics that might 
show up on a search for someone that's searching for that kind of metric. So hopefully that's helpful to our community of users. It might be good for us to also talk about the metrics models, because that's something that's also new to the chaos community more recently. I don't know if Matt, Sean, somebody wants to talk about that. Yeah, the metrics models have been around for about a year and a half now, and we have, we're developing them because people want some kind of recipe for if I want to look at a, a phenomena in open source software health. Usually you're not looking at a single metric, you're putting a group of metrics together. And that's where our tools really come into play because that the tools that we have really enable us to put those metrics together for people and let them see the health of their projects in that through that lens. Any single metric that we've referred to over time as an atomic metric, it may or may not be useful. So the one I always talk about is like age of an issue. As a single metric by itself, the age of or the age of issues may not be very relevant to, to anybody. But as we bring these together in models, we can start asking questions like, say, around community welcoming this. So that would be an example of a metric model. And then we would assemble, as Sean pointed out, maybe about a half a dozen metrics that might begin to give us insight about community welcomingness or developer response time would be another example of a metric model. And so then we ask ourselves, what are the these atomic metrics or these single metrics that can be brought together in meaningful ways that can provide insight around, say, responsiveness or welcomingness? And like any metric and any metric model, how you understand them is not going to be a perfect insight <laughs> that you may be looking for. But our goal is to always help, you know, kind of move you forward and better understand the issue that you're hoping to understand. This is one, one area that's been really interesting from a context working group standpoint, because one, you know, we, we talk about metrics and how people use, use them and what insights they're trying to get out of, out of chaos. And in the OSPO working group, we, we had spent several meetings talking about open source project viability. How do you tell if a project is viable for use within your internal organization? And we had had, we had had so many conversations about it that, you know, one of the people who'd been leading those conversations is now in the process of finalizing several metrics models around this. So this is one of the areas where we've seen really good interaction between the context working groups and the, you know, the development of the metrics models. When we started Chaos, we we said, you know, that there are these metrics, but to know which metrics to use, we recommend the goal question metric approach, where we first identify what is it we want to accomplish, and then what questions do we ask about, are we there yet? And the metrics are the indicator of how far have we gone towards our goal. And so these metric models, I think of them as prepackaged goal question metric approach answers that we put on the shelf and someone who comes to chaos can go to like a grocery store and they can go over to the aisle with the produce and the carrots and the apples and they can pick out the individual metric or they can go to the prepackaged meals where the metrics models are and they can look on the on the information sheet on the packaged meal and say oh yes i want this much of uh, iron, or I want this much of whatever protein, 
and then they can pick up our metric model. So that's how I think of the metric model. Well, and our metrics models are low in sodium as well. So very healthy, apparently. <laughs> I love that analogy. I think that's great. One of the things that is also new is that data science initiative. And Don, you, you joined Chaos to really focus on this. Would you like to share what, what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. So this is, this is one of those areas that it is kind of like a context working group, but it's, it's for data scientists or people who are interested in, in analyzing data. And this position was really created within the chaos project, this new director of data science and then the data science community that I've been building around it. It's really designed to be a little bit more helpful for the people who use our software and metrics. Historically, we've, we've been very careful. We provide the tools, provide the metrics, and then we let people do their own interpretations. What we found was that it's, it's really hard to do the interpretations and people need a little bit of help with that. So we can't tell them this, the, you know, if this metric goes up, it means this definitely, but we can give people some guidance for what to look at. And so that's one of the, the key areas that I'm focused on as part of this new data science group. We formed a whole working group around it. We have a, a Slack channel and we've gotten pretty good participation around it. And there are a few things that I've, I've started on is for the data science initiatives. One of them is getting better about positioning our software. So we have, we have two tools. We have Augur, we have Grimoire Lab. Which one of them is better in certain situations? So we're working on providing people with a little bit more guidance about which software tool might be better for their use cases. So that's, that's a work in progress. We've also been working hard to build this data science community. So as I said, we've got the Slack channel, we've got the working group, we have a, a repository where we can work together on things. So it's been really interesting to start to see that community coming together, which has been great. I've also been focused on some evangelism efforts. So, you know, conferences, how do we promote the work that we've been doing within chaos? And as a part of that, we're getting ready to start some best practice guides, things that people can look to to provide a little more information about how they should interpret their metrics. So that's another piece of this data science initiative. And then the final piece is really in understanding some of the challenges that people have had already. And we'll use that data to figure out exactly what we're going to work on for maybe next year and the upcoming year. And we distributed a survey. So that was step one for starting to understand some of the challenges. The survey just closed yesterday and I've created a folder in the repository for the data science working group with all of the raw data so people can see what the data is and we can analyze it together as a community. So that's a, a bit of an experiment. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. We'll see if anyone else is interested in helping me analyze the data from that understanding challenges survey. But th those are just a few things that we're, we're working on within the data science initiatives within the chaos projects. This is a bit, I think personally, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I have a kind of a follow-up question for you, Don, on this. So over the years, chaos has been pretty agnostic, as you pointed out, on our metrics and subsequently our metrics models. So for a long time, we've just kind of taken a stance that said, you know, here are the metrics that we've heard help give you a better understanding of community health. Here are the metrics models we've heard give you a better understanding of, of community health, but how they are applicable for you as a recipient of these is up to you. And we've always, we've kind of always taken that stance. And 
I think maybe the third point that you had mentioned, you know, we're, it feels like we're moving out of that a little bit and we can't go to the point that you said, you know, if this goes up, this is good. If this goes down, this is bad, like a red, yellow, green kind of things. How do you think we can go and maybe it's to be determined in terms of helping people in that moving off the agnostic and staying away from red, yellow, green, you like, where can we be in there? Interesting question. And it feels to me like there's maybe some happy medium where depending on the metric that we're looking at, it can mean a lot of different things, just depending on what the data looks like. And I think that one way we can help people understand it is to talk about some of the things that it might mean. So one of my pet peeves about metrics is that people tend to think of them as absolutes. This goes up, that means this, this goes down, that means that means bad. And the reality is every single open source project is different. And you really have to interpret every metric based on what's going on within your community. And there are no absolutes, but I think what we can help people do is understand how to interpret the data in light of what's going on in their project. So, you know, you may see a dip in July because you've got a whole bunch of European developers who are all on vacation. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, right? People are refreshing. So that going down is not bad for the project. It's probably healthy for the project overall. And so I think that there are things that you can think about that help you decide whether something is good or bad or needs improvement. And then the other thing that I really try to get people to focus on, and it's something that I talk a lot about when I interpret metrics, is this trends. So I want to know generally whether something is is going up or going down and whether there's something that we need to do as a community or as a project to improve the health of the project based on the trends that we're seeing in some of the numbers. So in a way, the metrics uh, we are using then as pointers to say, hey, here's something you might want to understand better. Here are some questions you can ask for how this metric is computed, calculated, look at the root causes might be going on in the community. What are the people doing? What is the collaboration looking like so that you can better understand the project and the metric helped you pinpoint where you have to look. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And and I think, you know, another piece of it is focusing a little bit on the metrics models or at least collections of metrics, because in a lot of cases that can help you understand the overall big picture more than more than just looking at a, at a single metric. So I think we'll probably start with some of the best practice guides around some of the metrics models to help people understand how they can use different metrics together to get a better picture of their community. Don, I have a question for you. Do you foresee chaos playing any part in advising folks on how to move the needle if they see something that they want to change, how they might go about making that change in their community without adversely affecting other metrics? Do you think that that's a role that chaos should play or maybe be the center for those conversations? Or is that way outside the scope as you see it? That's a really good question. I actually do tend to do a lot of that suggestions when I'm looking at interpreting the metrics. So I put together, we have a starter project health metrics model that I ran for a particular project for a particular person. So I can't share the details about that particular thing. But there were a number of places in that report that I put together for this project that were, this is happening and you should think about doing this as a result. So I do think that part of the interpretation is not just the interpretation, but what it means to improve it or some things you can look at for improving it. 
I think one of the nice side effects of people who've been working with chaos a while is that we understand how to evaluate different communities and interpret their metrics because we've had to over time. So that's one place where I don't know that we can provide recipes or prepackaged meals that fit for every project, but we can help them improvise in the kitchen to follow up on Georg's metaphor. I want to recognize Kevin. He's the one who introduced me to this way of thinking about the metrics and chaos as a grocery store. And that would be Kevin Bacon? No. Kevin Lombard. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm super excited to see what the data science initiative is going to reveal and what we learn about the metrics as we look more at them and what they can show us about communities. I'm super excited for the learnings that are in the future. And chaos now is, I was just re reflecting on this, we are now six years old. We started in 2017 and now we are six years old. So we're six and a half and we're almost four and a half feet tall. <laughs> we are a little taller than a halfling play D&D. So anyway, I'm super excited to see where we will be in two, three, four years when we turn 10. It'll be exciting. It's an exciting journey ahead. And another part of the journey that we started with in Chaos is the software. When we started Chaos, we launched with two main objectives. One was the metrics. We wanted to advance the state in open source around how we look at community and project health and just establish common language and metrics so that we can talk about what we are seeing and compare and contrast. And the other side of what we wanted to accomplish is build out standard software for everyone to collect the data and show it. And so I would like to shift gears a little bit and see where are we today on the software side? And Sean, maybe you can talk a bit about Augur because when Chaos started, we also started Augur. I still remember the conversations about what should we name this thing? It coincided with Chaos. Augur got created. It was actually called GH Data back in the day because it was looking at, we were using the um, GH Torrent data at the very beginning. And as, it evolved, as Augur evolved, we used, we incorporated Brian Warner's facade project. Brian Warner is former Linux Foundation leader and uh, was working at Samsung at the time and had created this software called Facade, which mined Git repositories. And so we've rolled that into Augur for all of our commit counting. And since then, Augur has evolved significantly, primarily focused being able to quickly explore new metrics or create new metrics. And over the last year, year and a half, Augur has gotten really good at capturing large volumes of data. So the public instance of Augur, which you can see at ai.chaos.io, has over 100,000 repositories in it right now. And you can visualize those. Red Hat has created a project called OSS-Aspen slash eight, the number eight not. And OSS-Aspen slash eight not is at metrics, M-E-T-R-I-X, .chaos.io, and that is a dash plotly dashboard. So it gives folks a way to see metrics pretty quickly in a format that they can understand. And you hear this month, we're kicking off an API development project. The, the Augur core team has recently implemented, and we're currently testing GraphQL implementation of our API, which will enable folks to much more dynamically 
get any data that they want out of the auger instances that we have either publicly or ones that folks spin up. There's about 35 organizations right now that are running instances of auger inside their walls. There's a lot, a lot of really cool stuff happening. And of course, we're implementing the metrics that chaos has generated and metrics models as well. I think there's some really exciting news on the Grimoire Lab side as well. Yeah, I'm happy to share what we've been working on in Grimoire Lab. There are two, maybe three big things. One that we've been working on for a while is multi-tenancy and allowing the data collection, creating one common data pool, but then for different projects, different groups, different departments to have their own dashboard and only see the data for the projects that they care about. And so scalability is something that has been in the works in Grimoire Lab and optimizing the processes, the enrichment process. There's a lot of improvements that have been made and there's still more improvements that need to be made. So that's an ongoing work. Another big topic of the last year or two years really has been the migration to open search. So Grimoire Lab was built on the Elastic and Kibana stack. And that was to not reinvent the wheel when it comes to visualizing and having a dashboard solution to explore the data that we have about open source projects. And so Grimoire Lab is really focused and honed in on collecting high quality data. But then Elastic changed its license and... As a commitment to open source, we did not upgrade to the new Elasticsearch version, but migrated to OpenSearch, which is still under an open source OSI approved license. And that migration is finally complete. So when you go to chaos.bitterch.io, this is Grimoire Lab in action showing data about the Chaos project. We finally have the new OpenSearch interface. I really like how it looks. It feels great. And then the other big update is the sorting hat. And this has been in the works again for years. When sorting hat is the module within Grimoire Lab for managing identities. So as people are participating in open source, they have different usernames on GitHub and GitLab and on mailing lists. They use different email addresses. And being able to merge all of that into one profile, say, hey, this is all the same person. That's what Sorting Hat does in Grimoire Lab. And we finally have a really beautiful, easy to use interface with drag and drop capability and a workbench where we can put an identity to use again later. And there's some recommendations for which identities might be the same person. So easy to merge. Anyway, there's a lot of improvement there and I really enjoy using that new interface. So those are my highlights of recent developments in Grimoire Lab. I'm super excited to see the improvements and in, in sorting hat. I think that's that's a great update. I have a question actually for you about Grimoire Lab. So the Grimoire Lab team forked Kibana a very long time ago into a new project called Kibiter, which may or may not be how you say that. But We've had some questions recently about whether or not Grimoire Lab is going to continue to use their Kibitter fork or whether they're going to migrate eventually to the OpenSearch dashboard, which is the other project that 
the open source project forked, which is a fork of Kibana? Yeah, good question. We migrate completely over to OpenSearch and OpenSearch dashboard. And now we have plugins that extend OpenSearch dashboard. We also have contributed into the upstream to support functionality that we need. For example, the OpenSearch dashboard, as it was conceptualized, only allowed fully public or you needed a login, but we couldn't have a mix. And so with the way the use case that we have for Grimoire we wanted to mix some public, some private. and we contributed that upstream so that we can have that functionality. So to your answer, open search dashboard is what we are using now. And Kibiter, I believe, is going to go away. Oh, very good. Thank you. I have a question for both Sean and Georg. You both talked a bit about data and the importance of data for both Augur and Grimoire Lab. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what you mean by that? You know, maybe one thing that you've, you've overcome recently with respect to data management and data cleaning, and maybe something that's still on the agenda for you in that area. I can go first. Data, of course, is, I mean, it's, it's kind of circular, right? Because the whole point of Grimoire Lab or Augur is to get data that can be used to operationalize metrics and make them real. Without these tools, the metrics and metrics models are really sort of imaginings in our mind. They're, they're abstract. They don't mean anything and can't be operationalized. And so for a number of years now, we've seen people really coming to chaos, looking at the tools and wanting to have the data available to them right away. And one of the things that's evolved here is in the case of Grimoire Lab, there's of course the cauldron.io site. And one of the things that's really cool is we have these hosted software as a service instances of our tools and Compass, which is a collaboration with our Asia Pacific user group and Getty has a public instance using Grimoire Lab technology. And we'll put that link in the show notes. And there's also a public instance of Augur and we will put that link in the show notes as well. And so making these tools that are inside the chaos project available publicly, I think has done a lot for, you know, giving people what they're looking for when they come to the project. And from an Augur point of view, you know, some of the things that we've done is incorporated dependency chain metrics. So we have Libier data and dependency enumeration data now that is helpful for folks who are trying to understand those chains. We also have licensing information available in Augur. From an Augur perspective, really, we focused on scale here over the last year, year and a half, as I mentioned earlier. And I will, I'll throw it to Georg to maybe um, talk a little bit about um, data as well. Yeah, when I think of the quality of data in Grimolab and Augur and any of the tools, there are two steps. One is the data collection, getting the right data and making sure that the data we are collecting is is correct, that we don't have any errors introduced while pulling it from APIs, from archives, and making sure that we have all the correct data. And then the enrichment process, this is where we take the raw data and make it useful for analysis. And there are several transfigurations, transformations, whatever we want to call it, where the data needs to be molded and prepared and some calculations need to be done. And this is where 
a lot of the work is going, the data from the true upstream tools, as we collected, the APIs changed, the formats changed. So we need to always be updating that. But then the improvements are on the enrichment side, on finding new and better ways to make the data useful, whether that is preparing it for a new kind of visualization or improving how we are mapping individual contributors, not just to one company. This is when we think about the elephant factor or organizational engagement metric. There are scenarios where people are part of multiple organizations, be it they are part of the Apache Software Foundation on a volunteer basis and they're part of their organization. And how do we analyze those scenarios? So anyway, those are some of the things that we've recently thought about and worked through. Well, I think this is a good overview of our software and where we have come and gone to. And we have already talked about the metrics and there's more to chaos. I can't believe it, but there's there more to there's, chaos, not just metrics no. and software. No, 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 there's not. What else is there? <laughs> well, maybe we turn the microphone over to Elizabeth, our wonderful community manager, to talk about everything else. I don't know if it's more than metrics and software, but there's so much more. Elizabeth. Yeah, there, there's a few more things <laughs> that goes on. Just a few. <laughs> Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> I would love to talk about our community and some of the other things we have going on. Just for a point of context, about this time in 2021, we had roughly 200 folks in our Slack channel. And this year, right now, we have over 1,600 folks in our Slack channel. So we've experienced massive growth in the last wow. few years. And so it's been a great and also a little challenging <laughs> to uh, just to make sure everyone feels welcome and that they can find their way. So one of the things we've looked at doing is, first off, we wanted to create some local chapters to help people connect locally with each other. And when we started with our Chaos Asia Pacific group, which was primarily in China, um, a few other folks around, but primarily in China. And that's great. And it's still going on. It has slowed down, I will say somewhat, but we also had then started a chapter in Africa. So we have Chaos Africa and that's led by the amazing Ruth Akiga. And what's really interesting is that a lot of the folks who have come to the Chaos Africa community have also come to open source as newcomers as well. They, they are not familiar with open source at all. Some folks do have technical experience, just not in an open source setting. And others are brand new to the whole scene. So it's it's been a really interesting journey for Ruth and her community there. What's been great is they've grown to almost 450 people in the Chaos Africa community, which is amazing. And a lot of those folks have actually ended up driving a lot of the initiatives within Chaos, which is also amazing. Even though they're newcomers, they're excited, they're enthusiastic, and they have great, fantastic ideas. You'll see them you know, driving initiatives like our program project management group. And they do a lot of work on our badging, which I'll talk about in a second. And they also do other things around like our Slack bot for newcomers and they're helping with onboarding. Like they are amazing folks. So we're super happy um, to have all of those folks joining Chaos. I mean, that's actually kind of led us to look at a few other areas where open source is rather new. It's kind of a risk on <laughs> on Chaos's part to invest a lot of resources in folks who are new to open source, but it's a risk that is absolutely worth taking because those folks, they have such fresh ideas and 
they're enthusiastic, like I said, and they have a lot of energy and they bring such a fresh perspective to our project. So we are super happy to be investing in those folks. Um, One of the areas we're looking at growing is in Latin America. And we have a wonderful woman named Sully Yang, who is um, leading that initiative. And then the second group we are starting as well is in the Balkans, which is mostly Southeastern Europe. That's led by another wonderful woman named Christy Progri. And so our hope is to really learn a lot about these regions and help them, help Sella and Christy introduce open source in a good way through chaos, or, you know, maybe they don't even those folks don't even end up contributing to chaos. Maybe they go on to a different open source project, which is also completely fine. We're just happy to have them joining open source in general. So we have our new local chapters that we're starting. And like I said before, the folks in Chaos Africa have done a whole lot of work on our badging initiative. And so for those who don't know, we have two badging initiatives. One is for events and one is for open source projects. And Basically, those initiatives are designed to help bring our DEI metrics into the real world and make a real impact. So our DEI event badging, we have 29 active badgers now. We've badged around 140 events. It's still continuing to grow. We're going to keep adding more metrics for event organizers to keep thinking about just to make it a little harder for them to find for them to achieve a badge. But a lot of those that work is done by folks in Chaos Africa. So really appreciative of their contributions there. And for those who also have not heard, we have been partnering with a group called All In to develop badging for open source projects, which is a little trickier just because of the scale issue. (laughs) And right now we have a lot of manual work that goes into reviewing and approving those event applications, but open source projects are, uh, there's a lot more to those. (laughs) So so we've had uh, some folks working on doing some automation to help make that process a little more scalable. I will also say that because there is so much going on in chaos onboarding and making sure that our newcomers have an exemplary experience is a challenge for us. We've had a few initiatives that we're trying out to see if we can make that experience better for folks. What's great is we can enlist the help of the newcomers in building those initiatives out because there's nobody better equipped to know what a newcomer needs than a newcomer themselves. So we're super happy that we can include them in those contributions. A lot of newcomers come to a project, they feel like they don't know anything, they don't know where to go, they don't know how to contribute to a project. So we're really happy that we can help bring those folks in and that they have the most experience of being a newcomer. So they're the perfect folks to actually contribute to this experience and this process. And we've implemented things like tour guides, which help Folks uh, have a one-on-one person to help them find their way based on what their skills and interests are. We are working on some onboarding courses, which will be kind of like a learning management system where they will be different modules people can read through or videos to watch that help them learn about chaos and what the different moving parts are here. And we have newcomer hangouts every week. So newcomers can come meet each other, ask questions in a super informal low barrier. It's like a super chill meeting. You just come and hang out with us and ask whatever questions you want. And we also have a newcomer Slack bot that we have implemented in our Slack, which again is another project that the Chaos Africa folks work on quite a bit. So they are helping us make that better for all newcomers, which is fantastic. And then the final thing I just wanted to mention was we have started this group for project managers. That's a skill that is so desperately needed in open source. And often not really 
appreciated, I don't think, or included in the contribution list of possibilities. So I'm really happy to see that we do have some project managers here that really want to help us with all of our sub projects that are going on, the, the badging bot, the badging website, the Slack bot, an accessibility audit, you know, just helping clean up repos and documentation. Like there's so much going on. So to be able to enlist the help of actual project managers that know how to do these things and how to distribute tasks and make sure that the project keeps going and that there are issues for newcomers to find and, and contribute to is really, really great. And I'm so excited that they're here and willing to contribute to our project. So it doesn't sound like you're very busy, Elizabeth. <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> you know, many hands make light work. So we have That's a right, lot yeah. of folks that. <laughs> Those are all really critical parts of chaos. Chaos isn't just metrics and software. It is, it is all these programs that you help facilitate and coordinate in our community. It's a lot. Thank you. It is a lot, but I think chaos is so very special. And I'd heard that from so many people who come to this project that they immediately felt welcome and they immediately wanted to just be a part of it. In fact, I don't know if you all know this story, but we have someone from someone from our Chaos Africa group that actually misunderstood the, the goal of chaos and thought that we were talking about community health in terms of like public health, like your body, like physical health. And she's actually a doctor and she enjoyed the community so much that she stuck around and she is a contributor. <laughs> like she is, she comes to the meetings, you see her around. It is fantastic. And I just love it. It's just such a great example of the power of open source and the power of community that now she is, you know, knows about it open source and she still wants to contribute, even though she's a doctor and probably has other things to do <laughs> on her day. But I just love that so much. That is a great story. We are not about physical health, although we are not against it either. <laughs> I'm curious to circle back to something we talked about in episode 54 about the chaos DEI reflection project. And if I remember correctly from that conversation, there were a lot of recommendations. It sounds like we have implemented many of those that are now driving this fantastic growth. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on would we be where we are today without this reflection project? And is this something that other communities can also do? That is a great question, Georg, and I will let others jump in as well. But I think that going through that process was absolutely crucial to chaos because I think we had blind spots and I'm sure we probably still do. But as we grow and keep our community diverse as possible and include folks with fresh perspectives, I, hopefully we will not have as many of those. But going through that process with, and actually Stella and Christy were on that team and now they're parts of chaos. So that's fantastic. We're super happy to have them be chaotic now. <laughs> they are experts kind of in their field. So yeah, we're really happy to have them around. But I think we learned a ton and, and Matt and Sean, you can also jump in, but I know I learned a ton from them just about how communities work. And, you know, and I've been in open source a long time and I've been a community manager for a long time, but that's not to say that, I mean, there's always things to learn, always, always. So I'm extremely happy that we went through that process. And um, we also did do our community survey, which did give us some insight onto how our community was feeling. And some of those recommendations were things like, making sure the newcomer experience is good. That was a common theme of like, you know, keep that piece going. So that's exactly why we've done so much work in this area. 
And another thing was trying to make sure that everybody felt connected because that is one kind of drawback to having the local chapters is that it's easy for us to feel siloed at times. So bringing everybody together, making sure we're as integrated with each other as possible is a challenge, but it's something that we're focusing on as well. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth. I wish we had more time to talk about all of this, and I'm sure we will have more time in future episodes. For now, we are coming up on the time here, and we like to transition into our value ads. This is a segment of the podcast where we share something that has brought value, joy, or meaning to our life recently. And I'll start us off. Something that just brings me joy every day is get to live in a house that we designed and we built and we moved in in March. I think this is the first episode we're recording in the new house. And every day that I wake up and everything is exactly how we planned it and where we wanted it and having a hot water dispenser so I can just go and I don't have to boil water. It's already there. I can make my tea. Oh, so many neat features. I love the house and I'm so fortunate and blessed that I get to be here. So that is my value add for today. And we'll do popcorn or hot potato. I'll pass it on to Matt. All right. Thanks, Georg. I think many of you heard this. I'm a bit of a morning person. And so <laughs> right now it's fall here and the morning bike rides down to my office are just absolutely amazing. It's cool. There's fog. There's trees. It's just, it's just really lovely. So these are the reasons I bike all year through the summers and the cold winters is to kind of hit these perfect days. So that's my value add. I'll pass it to Don. Yeah, one of the things that recently brought me joy is I went on a warm sunny vacation in Malta where we swam in the sea. We did a little bit of snorkeling. We spent a lot of time sitting in beach chairs where we drank fruity drinks and read our Kindles. So it's it's a lovely place for, for a bit of a holiday. And so we had a nice relaxing 11 or so days. And so it was, it was really great to come back recharged from a lovely vacation. And I will pass it on to Elizabeth. So as I said before, I'm a nature photographer. And I also have a two-year-old granddaughter who is my absolute best friend in the world and can literally have anything she wants. I will give it to her. No questions asked, but what's really exciting for me is that she gets as excited to see flowers and birds and mushrooms and all of the nerdy nature things that I love. She's as excited as I am. And maybe it's going to change at, at some point. But for now, she thinks everything is as cool as I think it is. So that brings me joy. All right. Thank you, Sean. You get to wrap us up. Well. My thing today is my oldest daughter is an English PhD student and she published her first academic paper and has another one up for revise and resubmit. So I guess she's following in my ill-conceived footsteps and nothing makes a papa more proud. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you everyone for joining the panel today. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us today on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, your chaos community.